Welcome to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission, to serve you and empower you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, a promising new way is on the way for you to get your prescription drugs. And also, scams are booming around vaccines. I'm going to tell you what to look out for. You know, Mark Cuban, the guy who owns the Dallas Mavericks, made um, became a billionaire like 20 years ago with some kind of early technology broadcast platform, just real visionary. And I've had the privilege of doing a profile on Mark Cuban on TV. It was fun being with him, although he and I uh, shot baskets together on the floor of the Dallas Mavericks arena, and um, I wasn't very good on the basketball court. That's a surprise, isn't it? But he has a lot of different interests, and he's a man who really speaks his mind. And something that's really bothered him is what's been going on with generic drugs in the United States, where there's a generic drug that is used by a relatively small number of people, and over time, the number of drug manufacturers that make that drug will go down and down and down. There may only eventually be one or two, and then the Wall Street crowd, private equity sleazeballs, will come in and they'll buy the one or two remaining manufacturers of a generic, and then they'll raise the price a thousand percent or two thousand percent or whatever and take a drug that has no r&d costs attached to it it's what's known as an orphan drug and they'll run that cost up and it may be a life-saving one and they'll put people in a position of either uh going broke themselves or dying and uh the guy who is uh, what do they call him the pharmacy bro shrelke who's in prison for i forgot what he's in prison for now but uh, talk about sleazeballs. Anyway, um, this problem with what Wall Street has done to cost people their health, their lives, or their money is a national scandal. And so moving into this space, Mark Cuban is building a pharmaceutical manufacturing plant in Dallas and is going to make drugs at cost plus 15% that are drugs that are being used as a pathway to gouge people and destroy their finances. And the first drug they're making, okay, so this is terrible. I can never pronounce anything past a two-syllable word. It's just the way it is. But the first drug they're making is called albendazole. I wonder how close that is. Probably not anywhere close at all to how you say it. But it's a medicine, according to the drug site, which is costplusdrugs.com, albendazole is a medicine that treats parasitic infections, such as, oh man, now I'm going to mess these up. Chris, are you looking this? I would just, you know, just skip it. it. They treat parasitic infections. Okay. You don't want me to try to name the disease? Uh, you don't need to do that. Okay. So anyway, they 
are going to break these cartels that have been established by Wall Street to take advantage of people. And he's going to be able to cut the price of these meds 90 plus percent. And so they have, by the end of this year, the plan is to have 100 plus drugs that right now people are getting gouged on that are generics and make them available ultra cheap. And so if you are somebody who is getting ripped off by uh, by this scenario I've just painted, you can learn more about it at costplusdrugs.com. And then they also have a link where you can find a pharmacy near you that is selling the drugs that they're going to manufacture. And I think about how weird it is. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but except for maintenance drugs, I fill prescriptions at Costco. And their prices have been found to be the lowest consistently in the prescription drug business. I mean, a fraction of what you pay at those uh, big chain drug stores. And so when I get to the register, I never know what they're going to tell me the cost of that drug is because they're all over the place. I filled a prescription. The last time I was at Costco, I filled a prescription and it was a dollar and change. I was like, wait a minute. The whole cost is a dollar and something? And she said, yeah. I was like, you should just tell me you didn't have it in stock because it costs you more than that just to fill this med for me. But that's the thing with prescription drugs is you have no clue what they're going to cost. By the way, day in and day out for routine stuff, take the GoodRx app with you on your phone. And when you're with the doctor or physician assistant or nurse practitioner who is writing a prescription for you for a condition, ask right at that time, look up the prescription they're writing, see what it costs. And if it's too expensive, ask them if there's another they can write that would be less expensive. Because a third of prescriptions are abandoned at the pharmacy counter because they're too expensive. And substituting a different drug in many cases will treat your condition just fine and it will treat your wallet a whole lot better. Krista? Josh in Missouri says, what's the deal with streaming services canceling regional sports networks? I just dumped Hulu Live because they dropped my local sports. My only option for MLB and NHL seems to be cable, which I'm not going to subscribe to. I would think sports are a huge draw for these services, but they keep raising the prices on consumers and offering less content. Help! How can I get my local sports? Okay, so there's rights fee fights like you cannot believe going on in the sports content space. And so you and I are just pawns in this. As uh, channels go dark, they change providers and all that. The good news with streaming is that you can continually change who you get your streaming services from without any penalty. So you might find that you repeatedly... In order to get, you said MLB, and what's the other one, Krista? The NHL. NHL. Uh, you may find you repeatedly have to change streaming services that will then give you the ability 
to have the sports you love. On MLB, you can subscribe to MLB as a standalone. And if you sign up for T-Mobile Tuesdays for the last several seasons, they have made MLB free for T-Mobile users. Or find a friend who doesn't care about baseball but is on T-Mobile, get them to sign up for T-Mobile Tuesday. And then they, if they do it again this spring, can give you the MLB package for free for the year. And you can stream it right on your smart TV. Rohit in California says, I have come up with a weird idea I want to run by you. I would transfer money from my traditional 401k to a Roth IRA at the end of every year and pay tax during transfer at the end of the year and not every month. The benefit that I see is that I will get to hold on to the tax money for the complete year and I can invest in other things. So if you move money from a 401k, traditional 401k, to a Roth IRA, you have to no longer be employed by that employer. It has to be a dormant 401k because money in a 401k cannot be withdrawn while you remain an employee of that firm. If it is a dormant 401k, meaning at a place you don't work anymore, you can do a strategy like you're talking about, moving money at the end of each year. But the tax bill is one that, um, in the event you're moving it to an IRA, you have 60 days to move that money And the way you avoid, okay, so I've got this. The way you avoid the tax issue is you move the money trustee to trustee. You move it directly from the 401k plan to the IRA that you're going to have. And once it's there, you do the double transfer where it moves into a Roth. Then that will generate a tax bill when you file your taxes the following year. And if your eyes didn't glaze over, mine were half glazing over giving that explanation. Okay, and one more idea from Elliot in Florida. Years ago, I set up a Fidelity Roth IRA. However, since then, my income has exceeded the maximum annual income allowed to qualify for contributions to the account. Rather than going through the backdoor method you've described, could I apply for a Fidelity Rewards card and automatically deposit the 2% cash back into the Roth account as a way to continue contributing despite the limitations for having a high annual income. Just a thought. P.S. You're the man. Thank you for that. I love the way you're thinking, but what I would say, once you've run out of the ability to contribute to a Roth, you don't want to do the backdoor Roth, which is, uh, gosh, uh, that involves setting up a non-deductible IRA. You contribute to that. You reclassify as a Roth, and you get around the income limitations. Why does the Congress write crazy rules like that? What you can do instead as an alternative is set up, uh, you're at Fidelity, do the Fidelity Zero Index Funds. The tax treatment's very favorable. You're not going to be tax-free, but your money will not likely suffer any tax consequences each year and at the time you spend the money which doesn't have to be in retirement you're subject to long-term capital gains only on your gain which is a relatively low tax rate and so once you run out of easy advantage things like a Roth IRA or Roth 401k doing a straight out investment account in index funds is a viable next step. The other thing is if you have access to an HSA, 
And HSA comes before all those things because it is the best tax-advantaged account that exists. Coming up next, there are scams targeting Americans who are trying to find the COVID-19 vaccine. People have been so desperate for the coronavirus vaccine that it's crazy when you think about there's a percent of people in the United States and around the world who say they're not going to get the vaccine. And then the overwhelming number of people want it yesterday. That frustration, that desperation has led to a lot of strange things. From news of the weird, I don't know if you heard, but there was a junket being offered at very high cost to the United Arab Emirates. That people were flying to the Emirates and having to stay three to four weeks, depending on what vaccine they were getting. And they were able to jump the line, get the vaccine. They then had to stay in the Emirates for the three to four weeks, whether they were getting Pfizer, Moderna, or some other vaccine. And then they would go back home at a cost in the tens of thousands of dollars. Now, there's very few people that are going to do something like that. But there are a lot of people who want the vaccine so badly that they are responding to scams that are proliferating with people being told that this is a place you can register for the vaccine, whatever, and then they're being told they have to pay, typically by linking their checking account or debit card or credit card. Now, know this. Nobody is requiring checking account information, debit card information, or credit card information for you to get an appointment for a vaccine. Don't give anybody your social security number. It's not working that way. Um, And one bit of hope. I know the vaccine rollout has been botched, but it is getting better. Uh, Not necessarily day by day, but definitely week by week. The availability of vaccine has improved, and the ability to get it administered has improved as well. And the, the terrible, terrible failures of Walgreens and CVS that were being so relied upon has put so much pressure on them that I think we'll see these two companies that have failed America so badly get it together moving forward and that they'll become a um, routine place to get the vaccine moving forward. But where things are really starting to happen for the vaccine is from the supermarket chains. Supermarkets have the temperature-controlled environments they need to properly store the vaccines. I think in particular the Pfizer requires special temperatures that are extreme to store the vaccines, and supermarkets have such close contact with so many Americans and have a heightened desire to get these shots in their employees' arms and their customers' arms that you will see a big, big improvement continually in the rollout of the vaccines and getting them in people's arms. But right now, don't give in to any of these cons. 
I know it's been frustrating trying to get the appointments in so many places in the country, but anybody who starts wanting key personal information from you beyond your birth date, you know to click out and run away. It's time for your question. Oh, I should point out that I bashed Walgreens and CVS now three times for their failure to the American people, in my opinion. And if representatives of either company wish to go on the podcast and rebut what I've said, I'm happy to have you. But it is my opinion that of the organizations that have failed the American people through coronavirus, you're at the top of the list. John in Alabama says, I live in a very rural town and there is no ambulance service in the county. Every month or so, a medical helicopter flies here to transport an accident or injury victim to a hospital in one of the major cities about 100 miles away. I'm hearing horror stories about the bills for this. My medical insurer only lists coverage for ground ambulance service. I've asked them to clarify this, but they keep referring me to the bed-to-bed air ambulance clause of my policy. Do you have any advice about this issue or advice regarding the purchase of coverage if this is not covered by my insurer? Thank you for bringing light to something that's been a real mess. Um, The air ambulance, even regular ambulance bills, have been a terrible problem for consumers who are insured. Um, That the pricing of the industry is generally not controlled in any way. And the insurers have had difficulty in a lot of states having the ability to negotiate what they feel are reasonable reimbursements. What's happened is that you, as someone who may end up in an air ambulance, face unbelievable bills in the tens of thousands of dollars, potentially for that air ambulance. It is a problem that is a known problem. It is one that has not been adequately addressed at the federal level or by the states. And your insurer is not going to give you any peace of mind about this. As for buying an alternative policy, the irony is that people who travel overseas can buy an air evacuation policy but I'm not aware of any equivalent in the United States or what that would cost. If there's anyone listening to our podcast who sells various forms of health coverage is aware of this, I hope you'll post information for us about how someone would insure against the possibility of having an air evacuation by an air ambulance and how you would deal with that cost up front with some ability to insure against that cost. Kevin in Idaho says, our electric bills are insane, and I have no idea exactly what's driving it. I called our utility company to see if there was any way to do an audit, and they said no. We live in a small house in the woods. We do, we do have a hot tub, and I know that adds to it. We also have a garage that is partially heated, but we use propane and wood to heat the house, and we have a tankless propane water heater. Our bill last month was over $350. How do I figure out what is sucking all the energy and dollars out of our life? The fact that you don't get your heat from electricity and your bill is over $300 a month 
means you may have what they call a Dracula. There may be some appliance you have at your property that is eating your electric bill alive. Now, there's a very, very inexpensive device I've recommended over the years called the Kilowatt. I know, what a bad pun. Play on words. It's K-I-L-L-A-Watt. W-A-T-T for what? They cost 20 bucks typically. And what you do is you, appliance by appliance, you plug it in to the kilowatt device and then plug from the kilowatt into the wall and you're able to see the energy consumption item by item in your house to see if there is something that is a big drain is uh, eating up those kilowatts costing you all that money and you should be able to figure it out all the things i would normally talk about aren't going to apply because you're not getting your heating from electricity one other thing you may have already done and that's change every light you have to led you have on the property that might make some dent in your bill but i think getting a kilowatt would be key they sell it at all the appliance stores typically and 20 bucks is worth it. People tend to buy, they're trying to get to the bottom of it. They might buy several of them at once and plug multiple appliances in so they can get the reading on each of them quickly. Jordan in Utah wants to know, to cover LASIK, can I make a change to my HSA and basically make my entire paycheck or two or three go into the HSA to lower my taxable income for the next year? Interesting. Uh, you can put in the HSA up to the max each year for contributions, and you want to use it for LASIK, you would be doing it with pre-tax dollars, and uh, why not? That seems like a really good way to get the LASIK done. And on LASIK, price is not the only thing that matters. The reputation of the, um, of the doctor, the ophthalmologist, is very important. How many procedures they've done very important as well. And I use my flexible spending account for my LASIK, which is, you know, I wasn't sure if they're talking about HSA, an HSA plan they can contribute to, but if you have flexible spending account at work, you can put aside $2,750 a year, and I use that for my LASIK this year, actually. But that you can only set typically in a normal year once a year. With an HSA, you can boost your contributions to it during the year. Got it. Okay, and one last one, Clark. Dale in Minnesota says, enjoy the show and advice. I've never heard you talk about ABLE accounts, achieve a better life experience for moms and dads that have children or adults not going to college, special needs children or adults. Please get the word out if possible on this valuable savings plan for millions. You can save $100,000 without risking special needs benefits for each child. Thank you so much for mentioning it. It does come up from time to time. It's uh, it's the 529A. It's like the 529 college savings plan, except for people with uh, youth with disabilities. And the ABLE account, you're allowed to contribute up to $15,000 each year, and it will not affect eligibility for public benefits for someone. It's especially important if you're worried that your special needs child is going to outlive you that there's money there to take care for them when you are gone. And ABLE accounts, just like 
529 plans for college vary in quality based on the expenses. You want to pay very close attention to the expense ratios. The expense all in on a 529 ABLE account should be less than one half of 1%. And there's not as much information out there about the various offerings, but as you find an ABLE account, you can read in the legal filings what the expenses are for the ABLE account. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you'll share something you learned or heard today with someone you care about in your life. My goal is to reach as many people as I can and help you be empowered in your life.